Lord, have mercy. Last year when Father Sean Kilcally, a priest of Lincoln, came and visited us, I was talking to him about marriage preparation. And I was talking about couples that would help prepare other couples for marriage. And he said, oh, you know what I do? I was like, I'm curious, what do you do? He said, he said I try to find the most broken and weak and redeemed couples that are out there. Because if somebody stands up there and they're like a, a perfect vase on the shelf, like nobody can relate to that. It doesn't seem real, authentic. But couples who've encountered their own weakness, who've struggled, and in that have encountered God's mercy, he says those are the couples you want. It's kind of like the person who's best able to help an alcoholic is the alcoholic. But not somebody who's still totally struggling and falling often, but somebody who's experienced some healing and some redemption and who's on the journey ahead of us. Does that make sense? It's like, that's what we, yeah. You know, why do we, why do we go to like, when we deal with breakups and stuff, like we want to go talk to somebody who's dated before, but somebody maybe who's even like married or something, you know? And it's like, it's really hard. It's discouraging. But we can, we can hear from them because they've been through this before. Today, Thomas encounters the Lord's mercy. Mercy is when my wound, my sin, encounters the love of God. Mercy is when the healing love of Christ touches me where I am most broken. Because that mercy comes to me, his, his love is gentle. I think three or more times Jesus said, peace. That, that, that the Lord's healing feels like peace. That's, that's his signature. That, that tells us this is of the Lord. There's peace. But when it begins in this story, that Thomas isn't there, that the disciples are gathered there in the upper room, that the church is together, but Thomas is not with the church. And so he's, he's struggling, you know, he's doubting. He's grappling with his own, like, I can't wrap my mind around it. Which is interesting, it's kind of like, I had mentioned this last week, uh, one of, the, one of my priest buddies had said to me, he's like, yeah, I was you know, I'm talking to this young person, and they're like, man, I really just don't hear God's voice. I don't feel his presence. And they're like, and he's like, okay, well, tell me about your prayer life. And it's like, well, I haven't really been praying. It's like, well, if we're not praying, we're not going to hear his voice. If we're not, and then so what the story is, this implicit point here is that when Thomas comes and joins with the body of Christ, with the church the next week, that then he's able to genuinely encounter the Lord. We might encounter him on our own. 
God works all over the place. But Jesus guarantees that if we are united with his body, that that's where he is. And what's beautiful about the Lord is, even though Thomas isn't there, that, that Jesus gives him another opportunity. That's a principle that Jesus always gives us another opportunity. Sometimes we look at our lives and we're like, man, that thing happened and I just can't get it back. Like, I messed it up. And Jesus is like, no, it's okay. Like, I have a plan to redeem everything. And so even if something feels like it's too late or it's broken, Jesus is like, no. Like, I knew that was going to happen and I have a plan to do something even better. And so the door is never closed on God's mercy. Does that make sense? So if we ever feel like, oh, it's too late, oh, that ship sailed, or it's broken and it can never be fixed, that's not from God. He, has a, he knew that would happen. And in his mercy, he wants to heal that place and do something even better. And so... When Jesus shows up, what does he do? He, he shows Thomas his hands and his side. like, And the very places where the Lord was punctured, where he was injured, that now those become the places of an outpouring of healing. And so it is, that's what God wants to do with you and I. That when, that when we are healed, the very places in our lives that were, say, injuries, where we have been wounded, where we are weak, will become the place where his love will pour forth the most. Uh, I've kind of, this is from feedback, um, a couple of the students have said, Father, you're really good at talking about, like, boundaries and, like, relationships, and, like, you should, like, write your own book or do this kind of thing. I'm like, you want to know why I know so much about that? Because that's the area I've struggled in. <laughs> like, I'm a people pleaser. And so to be able to be myself and not just do what everybody else wants. Like, yes, I struggle with that. And so I'm able to actually be sensitive and speak into that situation for other people in a way that's helpful, than, more helpful than most. Does that make sense? And so why God allows... God doesn't want us to be injured. But God is so good and powerful that he has a plan that the very places where I have been injured and disappointed and wounded, that God has the, the power to be able to transform those places, that they will be the places that I love people the best out of. Right? Like if we, I don't know, you know, the, the, the person who's been in an unhealthy relationship are they not the most sympathetic and helpful to somebody who's in an unhealthy relationship? That's how God works, but it only works as we experience that redemption. That's, that's what he wants to do. And so on this Divine Mercy Sunday, it's a, just a title that St. John Paul II gave this day, it's because this is the day where we see God's mercy at work. As Jesus um, on one hand, he, he shows them his redeemed wounds, that, that he shows them 
uh, the path towards our own healing. That our healing comes when my wounds touch his. When I, when I allow the love poured forth from him to encounter that area where I'm most broken. We hear too, in, in this is John chapter 20, that this is one place where we see um, the sacrament of confession in the scriptures. That Jesus redeemed, um, that he desires to share his spirit and his authority. Only God can forgive sins. Only God forgives. Even in the sacrament of confession, Jesus Christ is the one who forgives sins. However, he allows his disciples to be the instruments through which he can speak that forgiveness. So why? So that the person can hear and know that they've been forgiven. So that they can receive that peace that Christ desires to give them in that sacrament. But, but the, there is one sin that can't be forgiven. What is the sin? We all think we've done it. But the one sin that can't be forgiven is the one we don't show the Lord. That the invitation is to, you know, like in Revelation 3, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who opens the door, I will come in and have supper with him. That the invitation from the Lord is to open the door, to be able to receive his healing and his mercy. That he comes with peace. Like, I think we, we are so good at condemning ourselves. We're so good at, we, we feel ashamed but that's, that's from us. That's not from God. Jesus comes with nothing but peace. And he desires that his, his healing touch would come to encounter our brokenness and, and to end that to give strength and healing. And so we encounter God's mercy in the most profound way in the sacrament of confession. When, you know, I go there and I, I open the door and, and what do I find? You know, even, even like the prodigal son, all he did was turn back. He hadn't apologized. He hadn't washed off the pig mud yet. All he, did, he didn't even come back because of his father. He came back because he was starving. All he did was crack open the door a little bit, and the father runs to him, embraces him, reminds him of his identity, and, and brings reconciliation to him. And so... That's our invitation. You know, even in the first reading we hear in the book of Acts that it doesn't take much of a door opening, that, that even Peter's shadow was able to bring healing as the disciples, you know, as the people responded and kind of opened the door. Isn't that encouraging? Like, it, it doesn't mean we have to, like, do it perfectly. But instead, just to do the best we can, to, to open up the door how do we do that? One way we do that, too, is at every Mass. Um, the beginning of Mass, we said, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. What we're doing in that moment is what we're invited to do is to bring forth our sin, bring forth those areas of our lives that need healing so that we can, so that the, the love and healing touch of Christ can come. And that now the rest of Mass is about receiving just more and more goodness and truth into those areas of weakness. Isn't that cool? 
Like every day, like every time we come to Matt, I don't know that we think about that. But even if we don't do it then, like I love the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Why? You know, sometimes non-Catholics look at us and say, man, you Catholics, you're really good at the guilt game. You know, you're really good at beating yourselves up. It's like, no. Like, if I'm not sick, I don't need a physician. If, if I'm not a sinner, then I don't need a savior. And what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm telling the Lord, Lord, this is where I need your healing today. I thought I was all healed, but, but apparently I, I still fell into I fell into gossip. I fell into sexual impurity. I fell into whatever. And apparently I'm still struggling with it. Lord, I still need your help here. And the Lord never tires of coming to us. Pope Francis says, the Lord never tires of forgiving us. It is we who get tired of asking for forgiveness. That process, that healing, it's, it's, it's a process over a lifetime. You know, yes, the Lord can redeem all things, but, but for most of us, it's we, I'm being redeemed. You know, you ever, you ever fall into a sin? You're like, man, I haven't done that in years. Or you, you, you get over one sin and all of a sudden it pops up over here and you're like, what the heck? Yesterday I was down in Phoenix and um, there was a funeral for a priest, Father Frank Fernandez, uh, 72 years old, and I, I learned a little bit um, going to the funeral and hearing people talk about him. I didn't, I knew him, but um, but I learned. And one of the things they talked about was apparently Father Frank um, was dealing with addiction himself and was actively involved in 12-step groups. But I also heard people talking about how Father Frank was an amazing preacher. And how when he, he had an ability to speak into people's lives where they could just receive healing and strength. And I'm like, oh, because those two are related. That the one who's broken is able to, and, and, and experiencing healing and redemption in the Lord is most able to speak into the brokenness of other people. Right? Does that make sense? It reminds me of uh, Hebrews chapter 5 says this, Every high priest is taken from among men and made their representative before God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal patiently with the ignorant and erring, for he himself is beset by weakness. And so for this reason must, take sin, must make sin offerings for himself as well as for the people. No one takes his honor upon himself, but only when called by God. And so you notice people in AA, they don't say I'm, I've recovered. What they say is I'm in recovery. That God is working on me. Because there's no such thing as like, you know, I was an alcoholic before, but now I'm not and I move on with my life. No. The minute we think we're not susceptible to weakness and sin, we're going to fall. But the alcoholic or me, the sinner, knows that my healing is going to come as I continue to bring my brokenness to the Lord so that I can continually receive his love precisely where I need it most. And so our invitation is, 
You know, we can, even if it's just a crack, the Lord can work with that. But our invitation is like Jesus on the cross to hold nothing back, to bring everything before him, to say, Lord, you know me better than I know myself. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hide anything from you. I want your healing and redemption through all of me. And that's what allows him to redeem all of us. That's our path. That's, that's our journey. That's what the Lord wants for us. You know, I, I think the world is confused. Sometimes the world looks at Catholics and says, oh, you, got, you know, they look at priests and they're like, oh, what's the real story? You know, um, you think you're so perfect and holier than thou. And it's like, no. The authentic Christian is the one that says, I am so aware of my brokenness and my sin. But I know my Savior, and so I stay as close to him as possible. I think that's why Jesus called me to be a priest. Not because I'm good or perfect, but I'm the furthest thing from it. And so by relying completely on his grace every day, by being required in some ways to pray and do all these things, that it's actually the best thing for me. That I'm weak and that somehow the priesthood makes me aware of that. That it's not about me, it's about him and his grace and his strength. That in my weakness, his strength shines through. And so we come to this mass and we show the Lord where we're at this day. And he comes with his flesh and blood. His resurrected redeemed flesh to come to meet me precisely in my brokenness to show me that he doesn't shy away from me that there's nothing that scares him about me but yet my sin like a doctor is drawn to just like a doctor is drawn to a wound our lord is drawn to our sin with his love and mercy because he desires our healing and so we come today with our, our weakness, our doubt, our sin, knowing that the Lord does and will have mercy, that he will bring healing, strength, and goodness as he brings about my redemption.